Welcome to this episode of the Always Gaining Podcast. As always, I am your host, Austin Goodwin, and I want to be completely honest with you guys right now. This is the first podcast episode where I'm going completely unscripted. It's the holiday season, and I didn't really have a topic that I I wanted to talk about. I have some things written for future episodes, but it didn't seem like a good time to put out that kind of content. So here I am behind the microphone and a little bit scared because going off to the script, it, it makes it much easier to record a podcast and to be detailed and concise with your thoughts. And of course, I want to come across as a logical guy, somebody who has their stuff together, but I think it's good that we challenge ourselves sometimes to just say what's on our mind, say what we're feeling, and even though it may not be the most polished thing in the world, and of course I've already stumbled over my words, but I think this rawness and this honesty is what we all need a little bit more of, both receiving it and doing it ourselves. So without further ado, let me kind of go over some things that are on my mind lately. So recently I've been dealing with a a good bit of anxiety and it's, of course, it's always hard to pinpoint where your anxiety is coming from and there's no one source of anxiety. Usually it's a culmination of things. For me, it's, it's work anxiety. It's family anxiety. We've got the holidays coming up. And of course, this is another holiday where I don't have my dad around and My dad was always someone that I could count on, depend on during the holidays, someone I could really count on to support me, whereas the the rest of my family was kind of in limbo at at major times in my life. So no doubt that some of the family things are, are what's tripping me up and giving me anxiety, but also just work anxiety because things change and you adapt in your position and clients and and stresses change and evolve over time and that's it's not a thing like everybody everybody gets work anxiety and this is it's just my turn to have it now Uh, working in advertising and especially working as a creative one of the things that you have to do first and foremost is satisfy your clients right and I this isn't I'm gonna go naming off my clients or anything like that but client work does catch up to you emotionally when you have to appeal and cater to other people's problems all the time, sometimes it makes you neglect your own problems. And not saying I have problems right now, but nevertheless, I feel like I've neglected my myself a little too much. And especially as a guy who preaches on take care of yourself, take care of your mental, I've been sort of a hypocrite when it comes to that. But with the end of the year, any kind of client service business is really facing a lot of stress. And in marketing and advertising, the last thing you want to do is to give a reason for your clients to drop you at the end of the year. So that's where I've been as a creative. I've just been overperforming and really solidifying the work and the job that I'm doing. And again, I'm not knocking the job that I do or my employer or the people I work with. Like I'm in the best situation I can be in, but it's just a timing thing and it's kind of how life is. But maybe some of you are are facing the same thing. Maybe you're in marketing and advertising like I am or really any profession, especially if you're in healthcare or if you work in commerce, there's no doubt in the world that this is the busiest time of our lives. And honestly, we can probably apply that to the grand scope of most people. Work is wrapping up and we're getting into the holidays, which Leads me into the point I made earlier. Another source of my anxiety is family anxiety. 
So with me going home this year, my mom, long story short, she works on the road and doesn't really have a place or a home back home where I'm from, my hometown, that I, I can stay with. So, And it's been like this for three or four years now. That's not a new change to me, but going home for the holidays has always been a challenge. But when I was in college, when I was in Tuscaloosa, it was only a two and a half, three hour drive and having to coordinate things wasn't as much of a headache. But now that I'm in South Florida and I'm a 12 hour drive away and yes, I'm road tripping back to Alabama because I can't, you can't be in a rural town for two weeks without a car. So I'm making the road trip actually this Sunday before this is published. So I'm already, if you're listening to it now, I'm already back in my hometown. But that's one big stressor for me is finding out where I'm going to be staying at because my mom does work on the road and I can't always stay with her. She doesn't really have a place to stay or call her own. She She's had to live with different people. And when I go home, I kind of have to do the same thing. And thankfully, I have really amazing friends and some family members who are like, okay, I'll help you out. My good buddy Chris always offers me a place to stay, no charge, nothing like that. We're like brothers. So yeah, shout out to you, Chris. I know you're listening, but it's still a stressful time when you have to plan your life around other people's lives and basically live out of a suitcase for, for two weeks. Thankfully, again, I do have the support I do have. I'm not complaining about that, but living in different locations when you're back home kind of magnifies the stress of what can already be a stressful holiday. Of course, with our families, everybody has different types of family stress. And right now, there's kind of a lot of inner conflict within my own family. Uh, there's there's jealousy, there's envy, there's lack of maturity, lack of communication, first and foremost, among a lot of my family members. So I feel like I'm having to go back home and put up with somebody else's problems. The point of me going home, the point of me taking two or three days vacation off from work is to get away from dealing with problems every day because that's really my job as a creative. I communicate ideas, I design, I do copywriting, yes, but first and foremost, I'm a problem solver. So the real stress for me is going into this trip knowing that I'm not really going to get to unplug those batteries, the whole problem solving batteries and and recharge them properly. And I'm trying to structure my new year so I can actually get away and really be alone. But again, trying to plan things from 12 hours away is a lot different. Whereas if you're in the state, you can kind of solidify details more and more. But all of my plans, all my holiday plans, I don't have a home to stay at. So everything I do is revolving around other people's schedules. I don't know what your holiday experience is like, but I just want you to know that if you're experiencing this holiday anxiety, this family anxiety, first of all, everybody, everybody experiences this. But for me this year, especially, I'm, I'm really getting that feeling of, oh crap, um, this is supposed to be a relaxing time for me, and it's not. And the reason I'm telling you this is I do actually listen to your feedback when you give me compliments of the podcast, when you send me suggestions, ideas. I really do take that to heart and I let that marinate for a little while. And one of the common feedback measures that I got was we want to hear more of your story. We want to hear you not just explain things, but tell us what's going on in your own life. Tell us what you're dealing with personally and then explain how you overcome problems. So it's 
one thing for me to say, oh, you deal with this by doing this. It's another way for, for me to say, okay, this is what I'm experiencing in my life. Let me tell you what I'm doing. So let's talk about that here. This whole general anxiety first and then the holiday anxiety. Now, I know that my general anxiety is mostly a combination of just burnout from work and just overworking myself in every aspect. I'm training really hard right now. I'm eating like a warrior. I'm working 11, 12 hour days. So it's just go, go, go for me. And that's, that's, that's the way I work. I'm, I'm a hustler. I'm a type A person. I, I feel like every single hour of my day has to be scheduled doing something. And it's, it's kind of overcompensating a little bit. I, I feel like I get guilty if I'm not always doing something or being productive with my time. And I was talking with my good friend Erin about this. Of course, Erin was on one of my recent episodes, but she was telling me she was dealing with anxiety because she can't relax. She's always going with her, her job. She works long hours, and it's very commendable. She is definitely a hustler. But even when she knows that she needs to take time to just relax and do nothing, she can't because it's this overwhelming anxiety that... If I'm not doing something with my time, then I'm not advancing myself in life. I'm not doing better. I'm not improving. And it's it goes with the name of this podcast, always gaining physically, mentally, and emotionally. And if you don't have that feeling that you're always improving and always doing better, you get guilty and you beat yourself up and you can't really unplug and relax the way you need to. So I want to speak on the, the whole hustler mentality and the message I put forth in this podcast. So, of course, I want you to stay always gaining, physically, mentally, and emotionally. But from experience, I don't want it to come at the expense of you never get to unplug and you never get to reset. Even if you're not a creative worker like I am, you don't do design, you don't do writing, say you have the most corporate job ever and you plug numbers, you still need to unplug from that, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So, one thing I failed to do recently is unplug myself. And of course, my circumstance requires that I be the way that I am. Of course, there's leeway. I could work out less. I could pursue less ambitious goals at the moment to give myself more free time to actually unplug. I could set more boundaries for myself. There's a lot of actionable ways that I could unplug and not be sitting here talking about my problems on a podcast, but actually be okay with my life. But we're not perfect people. And the number one, probably the most important thing is just being self-aware, knowing that you are feeling the way you're feeling, that you might be anxious or tired, or in my case, you're burned out because of what you're doing. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm tired. I have no motivation. I don't want to do anything. And you don't know why, but at least when you can identify, okay, this is why I feel the way that I feel, it makes a little bit more sense to you. And when the time is right. When you're able to really focus on that, then you can reverse engineer your self-diagnosis and start to take action and implement habits in your life that don't put you in a state where you're always stressed out or anxious or overwhelmed. And it's still going to happen. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I think I've proven that at least in the last 10 minutes. I have a lot of problems I'm dealing with. But as my dad told me, life, it never gets any easier. Your problems... They just change. And I've really taken that to heart this year. 2020 has been a year of change for all of us. Some people have handled it very well. 
Some people have completely fallen off the edge of the earth. <laughs> and I told someone this on my Instagram story because I asked what their problems were, what they were dealing with. And one person said, trying to feel like this year wasn't a total waste of my time. And I said, 2020, when we look back, is going to be like the free space on the bingo board. And I think that's really true. No matter how successful you've had it this year, I think across the board that we've all suffered a, a loss in quality of life, at least for the most part, for most average people. Nevertheless, we have 2021 to look forward to. And this isn't a whole thing on resolutions and how 2021 is going to be the best year of your life. It's going to be a struggle forward. It's still a mountain that we have to climb. And we still have to take action and implement habits and change to really shape and reshape our lives, I should say there. But going back to the anxiety feeling that I'm having, and I know so many other people are having, I think the source of anxiety comes from the expectation that you put on yourself. And maybe it's other people's expectations too. So let's just talk about expectations for a minute. Setting an expectation for yourself is great. That's how we map our goals. That's how we form our habits. That's how we make sure that we're living and being the person that we want to be. As a man, I, I want to be a strong man. I want to be an intelligent man. I want to be a respectful man. Those are the expectations that I've had on myself. And those are the expectations that my parents set upon me. My dad taught me how to be a real man, how to balance sensitivity and emotional intelligence with masculinity and taking charge. And I constantly reflect on that, not just because I'm a man, but because I'm a person. And I put this expectation on myself. So when I have days where I don't meet my expectations, I have a bad habit of letting that compound into the next day and the next day. So rather than admitting that, okay, I have a bad day and that's okay, I can do better tomorrow, I let it compound and cause me to continue with habits that aren't beneficial to me. These habits, these small things that I wouldn't usually do, basically when you start falling into the pit of despair, it's much easier to keep rolling in the dirt and the mud and complaining about how dirty you are rather than standing up and washing yourself off from a bad day. I'm, I'm very guilty of that. That's a, a self-revelation, and I have to talk about that to you because that's, that's my mark of transparency right there. And I preach this with, with fitness. It's okay to have a bad day in fitness. It's okay to skip a workout. It's okay to have a bad day of eating. It's okay not to, to walk because fitness is about what we consistently do over time. It's about how frequently and consistently you work out or you run or do whatever it is you do with your whole your fitness regimen. It's about are you consistently tracking your calories and your macros and eating high quality foods and paying attention to your calorie consumption with your mental habits? Are you consistently journaling or meditating or practicing habits that are beneficial to your personal, your mental health? That's the whole message behind always gaining is always improving, doing 1% better every single day. And I, I know I preached against that a little bit earlier, how you have to unplug. But it's also a message of don't let one bad day throw you into a cycle of, oh, well, I messed up. I, I broke the cycle. So I might as well just keep going. And that's what's happened with my anxiety a little bit is I have a couple of bad work days 
I have a couple of bad mental health days, a couple of days where I'm not confident. And rather than admitting, okay, those are bad days, but I'm really going to focus tomorrow on X, Y, Z, on what I'm good at and what I'm confident at, on taking breaks and taking care of myself and illustrating my worth to myself and putting things into perspective. Rather than doing that, I'm like, oh, well, I might have a bad day tomorrow or, or this project's coming up and doing this project makes me feel the same way that this project that caused me anxiety and caused me to have a bad day feels. So I'm setting myself up for failure before the next day even comes and I'm laying in bed at night thinking about all the things I have to do the next day rather than focusing on recuperating, unplugging, recharging, the same things you have to do in fitness I'm doing with my work and my job and my personal life. It's really about, okay, focus on what's right in front of your nose. Everything else that's going to come is going to come later. Control what you can control now. And when you get to the bridge, then you cross it. Don't worry about crossing the bridge then. So this podcast and talking to you about my anxiety, about my problems, maybe this will help you realize that sometimes you have to call yourself on your own crap. I'm sitting here in my room recording this podcast, and I'm not talking to anybody. It's just me, myself, and I and my thoughts. And <laughs> the, the worst thing about your thoughts is you can let them sit in your head, but when you speak them out loud, you come to two realizations. One, holy crap, I never thought about it that way. Or two, wow, I really have no idea what I'm talking about. So usually it's one or the other. And for me, recording this and putting myself out there, it's both. It demonstrates to me that I do need to be more forthcoming about my faults and my insecurities because I do have them and I think I do a good job of doing it. But I think I need to frame my anxiety and my problems with the advice that I put out to other people that, hey, I, I may know what is best in your situation. I may not. I need to speak more from this is what I would do because I've been through this certain scenario. And if my my journey in helping people in fitness has taught me anything, it's when I can tie my personal stories and my personal experiences to people. And rather than giving them advice, I just tell them what I did, what I learned from the situation, and let them derive what they want from the message. Lord knows I've plugged Jordan Syatt so many times in this podcast, but and I'm, I'm going to butcher this quote because I don't have it in front of me, but he said that a good coach will give you a plan, give you a workout, give you a, a diet regimen, a great coach will teach you about these things and point you in the right direction and let you figure it out for yourself. And maybe in fitness with people's diets and their workout regimens, these things that people don't know so much about, maybe it is good to give them the specifics, but it wasn't a coach, it was a teacher. A good teacher tells you the answers a great teacher shows you where to look for the answers. So with my podcast, with talking to you now, and hopefully you don't think I'm a rambling mess right now, because again, this is just right off the top of my head, but I need to be more narrative. I need to talk about the struggles that I'm dealing with. And I alluded to, I'm dealing with some things with my family earlier, and I'm going to go into more detail on that here in a minute, but this is just part of my effort of, okay, it's one thing for me to say, oh, I have family problems too, but if I'm really transparent and I really just don't give a damn and want to help people out and let them judge me if they want to, then I just need to tell the story. 
So a lot of my anxiety right now is with my sister. And my sister and my mom have a mixed relationship um, without getting too much into my sister's personal life. Basically, her and my mom have had tension for years, basically since she was my age because of her personal life decisions. And while my mom hasn't always been the most sensitive to them, I would say she's come around, come full circle, and really tried to move past past discretions with my sister and my sister hasn't exactly been receptive to that now this is me on the outside looking in and with any story there's going to be parts you don't know about i'm simply speaking from what i know but with my own sister i've had tension with her and she to to put it completely on the record my sister helped me out a lot when i was a kid when i was growing up when i didn't have food when i didn't have even a place to stay at some point my sister has always been incredibly loving and incredibly supporting of me but we of course we've been in arguments we've had fights and a lot of it's had to do with my mom and me supporting my mom and forgiving her for the mistakes that she made in my childhood the neglect the lack of maturity the lack of good decision making that ultimately harmed me I think the the number one thing the number one difference between my sister and I is I don't think my sister has been able to forgive my mother for the mistakes that she has made. And I've moved past that. And of course, my mom, she helped me out through college. There's a lot of things she helped me with. So what I'm feeling and what I'm picking up on is jealousy or envy, in a sense. I think that my sister might resent me a little bit because of the way, like the preferential treatment I received from my mom. But of course, as the person receiving it, I would say this, my mother has offered the same treatment to her offered to help her out. And God knows my mom has helped my sister out in the past couple of years as she's been working. My mom's definitely put her, her neck out there for my sister plenty of times. And this is getting into the mud a little bit, and maybe this is a little too personal, but you know what? I don't give a damn. I think you guys need to know this so you can kind of understand where my anxiety is coming from. But with my sister and going back home and dealing with that, when my father passed away, my main issue with my sister and something that we've never really communicated besides when it blew up is when my dad passed away, she didn't come to the funeral. She never really liked my father. She never really had anything nice to say about him. So my main issue with her and something that we haven't resolved is why could she not be there for me? Like, I understand that you have your problems with him and that is what it is. And everybody has their opinions about that. I know the truth. But she never, she didn't come to support me, and she was supposed to be the person that was there for me. My sister was my best friend at one point, and somebody who really emotionally got me. So for her not to show her support and be there for me, even like my, my school nurse, who was good friends with my dad for a long time, she took off of work, came in the middle of her work shift in scrubs, and said her condolences. So it's, I don't want to get into the details, but that's the, the fight I had with my sister, and we've never really made up from that. Again, if this is too personal for you, you can stop listening now, skip forward, whatever it may be. But that's that's the issue that I'm having, I have, and I have to go home and deal with that. But it's not necessarily something that's easy to communicate about, nor is it something that the other party wants to communicate about or really understand. So when you issue forgiveness to someone, there's two parts. You have to forgive other people for yourself. First and foremost, that's so you can move on. You can live your life and not have that, that hatred and, and that negative emotion 
in your heart. And I've done that. I've forgiven her in that sense, just so I can move on with my life and I can do what I need to do to move forward. I, I had to do that as part of the grieving process. I had to let go of the negative emotions associated with the grief and with the loss. The way I haven't forgiven her is through the lack of communication. So she hasn't, quote, forgiven me for flipping out on her because of that. And maybe that's part of why I'm feeling anxious, but it's also like we've never communicated about it. And the really big issue and the other part of forgiveness that I was talking about is the person has to realize the emotional gravity and the significance of the transgression that they've committed. Even if they don't think that they were in the wrong, it's not that, okay, the thing that I did was bad. It's the, the thing that I did, the way I communicated to you or the way I treated you or whatever it may be, even though I may have not intended it that way, even though the situation may have been completely out of my hands, I understand that it made you feel this way and I'm sorry for that. So it's not so much I want you to apologize for what you did. It's I want you to apologize for the way you made me feel and vice versa. So that's a potential conversation I may be having when I go home. I'm predicting that's not going to happen. But how does this tie back into Always Gaining and the podcast? This really turned into a big talk about anxiety. And everyone's anxiety is unique to themselves. But just through talking about this and where my family anxiety come, is coming from and the trip anxiety that I'm having is we have to sit down and have these conversations with ourselves. We have to be uncomfortable and most importantly, we have to be accountable to the way we feel and the mistakes that we've made. No, I probably shouldn't have flipped out and I should have realized in the moment or whatever it may be that my sister may not have had control over that. Or maybe she did and she intentionally didn't come to the funeral, whatever, whatever it may be. The accountability part of that is, okay, I may have made mistakes with the way I reacted, but I'm ready to move past that. I'm admitting it. I'm not going to focus on it anymore because I'm admitting it now and I can't go back and undo what I did. That's life. That's the way it is. And most people don't get past that stage is in every scenario you can take fault for something. It's the accountability thing. Everything is my fault. So I'm not putting my insecurities, I'm not putting my lack of development as a person and blaming other people and not being able to take responsibility for my actions. That doesn't mean other people aren't in the wrong in your life, but that's a source of my anxiety. So it's important that I touch on this detail, but with your anxiety, you have to sit down and you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, okay, why do I really feel the way I do? What is in my control? What is not in my control? Is this more about other people? Is this more about myself? What can I do with myself to improve the situation? What are my habits right now? Are they conducive to improving my anxiety or are they compounding the effects of my anxiety? It's one thing to have anxiety. That's another thing to completely wallow yourself in terrible habits and a terrible mentality that just continues to amplify the anxiety that you have. Basically, it's one thing to have a problem, it's another thing to not try to solve it. So the hardest part is just sitting down and talking with ourselves first. And it helps to talk to other people with, with this, and it's great, and I highly recommend it. But the real power is being able to talk to yourself. Oftentimes people wanna to talk to other people first because they can kinda of sugarcoat it, and they can frame things 
in a way and they can BS the, their image and whatever the story is to other people. So they get the feedback, oh, it's okay, or it's not your fault, or, you know, everybody would feel that way, or whatever, yada, yada, yada. I believe in that too, and I believe it's good to get positive feedback from people, but you also need to call yourself on your own bullshit. And me sitting in front of this microphone and completely spilling my guts out is a way of me calling my own bullshit, and I've, I've been doing it for days now. Like, I've been very anxious, and a lot of it is my doing, a lot of it is completely not in my control. I'm not going to give a percentage. I would say more of it is out of my control than not. But I do need to control what I can. And I've not done a good job of doing that. Because I've let the overwhelming gravity of the situation weigh down on what I can control. I've let it overwhelm my spirit, my mind, my mentality. And say I can't control 70% of the situation. Even if I can only control 30%, I need to do... I need to do my den best that I can with the 30% that I do have. And that's what's gotten me through life. That's what's gotten me through much worse scenarios than what I've been in now. I have a job. I have a roof over my head. I have food in my fridge to eat. I have a a mother. You know, I don't have my father anymore, but I have a mother that loves me. I have a family, generally speaking, that loves me. I have good friends. I have a great support network. And I have opportunity. I have freedom. I have my health. I have things to look forward to. I have the ability to learn and improve and build upon myself and really elevate myself out of the situation that I'm in. So sitting here behind the microphone and just speaking that out loud makes me feel a lot better about the life anxiety that I have. Again, the problems are definitely still there and it's not something that I can necessarily talk about in the public and in the open space. It's good as a person to be transparent with people And I think the more transparent and open and honest you can be, the better a a helper or an advice giver or helping with people with their own lives you can be. But of course, some things still need to stay in your life. And that's not something that I'm comfortable, nor is it appropriate to talk about right now. But I know where the sources in my anxiety come from. So step number one for me is picking myself up by my bootstraps and realizing that, okay, I only have 30% to work with then let's get to work. If you're in the same situation and we're going into the holidays, people are traveling, people are dealing with family who is much less reluctant to change than my own. If you're dealing with that, one, you're not alone. Two, hopefully from my story, you understand that I'm not just sitting here saying, oh, well, I get what you're going through. No, you should should really feel, and I hope you feel that, okay, he, he gets it. He knows what it's like to deal with stubborn family members, people who have hurt them in a in a personal way. But also, I want you to realize that, hey, Austin here, I make mistakes too. And I've made mistakes with my own family members. My communication hasn't been as good as it could be. There are definitely places where I can improve, and I'm taking my responsibility for that. You need to do the same thing. You need to take responsibility for your problems first. And when you can do that, and not guilt yourself to death. Like, okay, it's it's okay that you make these mistakes. It's okay that you are this person. Admit it. Get it out in the open. Tell a friend. Tell your mama. Tell your fourth grade teacher that you've got on Facebook. I don't care who you tell. Get it off your shoulders. Get it out of your mind. You don't have to identify as that person, though. You don't have to identify with the mistakes that you make. You have to identify that you made those mistakes, but those mistakes do not make you. Your problems do not make you. And that's where I'm at right now. 
with at least one part of my anxiety when it comes to my family. When it comes to my, my work anxiety, I have to do a better job of putting a barrier between my work and my life. And my work, it's, it varies in the amount of responsibility that I have day to day. Every day is different. Every day has new requirements, new things, new challenges, and things are always changing. But I need to better structure my personal life and actually have a personal life. You know, make friends, which I don't have a lot of down here in South Florida since I've moved down here. I've been really focused on work. So really, it's a priority shift for me. I need to maximize the time that I'm working in terms of efficiency. If I would be more efficient, more intentional, more actually project-based in my work like I'm supposed to be, rather than just being busy, then it would allow more avenues of time for other things in my life, which can help alleviate my anxiety about my lack of balance. Now, of course, economics plays into it, and thankfully I'm on the back end of my economic anxiety, but that's something I've always dealt with. With the coronavirus the way it is, with the job market the way it is, with everything and everyone trying to save as much money as possible, especially in advertising and marketing, aka the first things that go when when budgets start getting cut, I have to be very calculated about the way I spend my money, about the way I save my money. I think I'm very secure in the work that I do, but I also have realized in the past few months that anything can happen. And I can't be completely and totally dependent on people, on my employer. Like I need to work on my own skill sets and I need to do the best job I can within my job to make sure that I have my job, to make sure that my clients are satisfied and my clients are happy. So me taking action to do that will help some of the economic anxiety that I have. And I'll be the first to say that growing up dirt poor, growing up with no money, growing up knowing what it's like living paycheck to paycheck, and if you miss one, you could be out of a home, out of a way of life, that has an emotional trauma on me. Again, you have to sit yourself in front of the mirror and admit your problems. I, from, from a financial standpoint, that's why I worry the most. And that's why I need to do the most work. If it bothers me the most, then I need to do what I can to secure my mind. I need to work on also not completely freaking out about things, but also we all have our, our strengths and our weaknesses. It's good to admit that. It's better, though, to double down on your strengths than to try to bring up your weaknesses and just focus on that. The more you focus on your weaknesses, aka me, my financial anxiety, the less energy you have to focus on your strengths. Unlike your strengths, your weaknesses, they compound negatively. Your strengths, they can compound positively. So when you put energy into any one thing for a certain amount of time, as I've talked about with my anxiety, I've focused on my weaknesses for so long that that energy has compounded and compounded and compounded and gotten worse for me. So I'm having to flip the script, focus on my strengths, what I can do, and dig myself out of the emotional rut that I've put myself into. And boom, that right there. I haven't even thought about that, journaled about that, or anything until right here behind this microphone. Again, this is an unscripted podcast. I had absolutely no idea that I would end up here in this little one-on-one conversation we're having. But that's part of what you need to do. I'm not saying you have to start a podcast and get behind a microphone and be scared to death like I am and kind of shaky, but you have to have a way of just talking and talking yourself and your thoughts and what you're feeling on the paper, onto a screen, to a friend, 
whatever it may be. And when you can let these thoughts run out of your mind, not just in your mind, you can see and think about things a little more clearly. So obviously I came to the solution to my anxiety long before talking about this right here, but hearing myself say that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. It reassures me that I'm doing the right thing now. First in admitting to the problem and then doing what I can to mitigate it and to move forward. So I think I'm gonna wrap things up here. I know it's the holiday season, wherever you're at, if you're traveling, if you're home, if you're with family, with COVID the way it is, with holiday traveling just being a dangerous time in general, please be safe no matter where you're at, what you're doing. I hope the holidays bring you some measure of peace, some measure of stability, some measure of hope for the future, for the year we have coming ahead of us. Thankfully, we've heard good news about the vaccine going on, and that's going to take months and months. And this whole process of getting back to the, the normal that we once knew is going to take a long time. But I want you to know that if there's anything I can ever help you with one-on-one, -on -one, when it comes to your habits, comes to fitness, when it comes to just talking about life for a little bit, I'm here. You can find me on Instagram at Austin Trey Goodwin, on Twitter from there, wherever else. Not going to go into all the details on that. You know where to find me. If you want to find me, you can find me there. I'm always open to have a conversation. And of course, New Year's is right around the corner. I know a lot of you have fitness on your mind. That's a big goal for many people. I'm not a crazy New Year's resolution person. If you heard it on my last podcast, you know that. But if you really want to get serious about making fitness a part of your lifestyle and then making it your lifestyle, I want to help you out. I know the holidays can be challenging for many of us. Just know that you're not alone. Talk to the people around you. Talk to your friends because I guarantee you a lot of people are feeling the same emotions you're feeling and they're not brave enough to talk about it. So make the first step. Start the conversation with yourself, with other people. Stay safe. Have a great holiday season. And remember to stay always gaining.